Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. You have to be productive in your capabilities to grind to make it worthwhile. If you're just going to put a machine in and you don't know what you're doing and you're going to grind half the speed of what a grind shop would normally grind at, it's not going to be productive for you. And you're saying, why, why do I have this thing here? It's just cheaper to farm it out. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. On today's show, we are delving into the world of centerless grinding, a vital process in precision machining that some less informed folks label as a dirty dark art. Our guest is Romus Udvalkis, founder of Always Precision, one of the largest Cincinnati centerless grinder rebuilders in the United States. Always Precision turnkeys its rebuilt Cincinnati grinders with a CNC control that can accurately compensate in increments as small as 10 millionths with standard dovetail beds. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I'm really, really happy to have Romus Udvalkas, owner and founder of Always Precision. I've been uh, I've been asking Romus to be on the show a little while, and I uh, finally finally got him. I've known him a long time, so welcome, Romus. Thanks, Noam. Pleasure to be here. Good. Okay. So first, I want to uh, just learn a little bit about your company, and then get your story. What is always precision? What do you, what do you guys, what do you, what's your specialty? Uh, well, always precision. Um, I started 27 years ago, rebuilding, repairing Cincinnati centerless grinders. Uh, so it's evolved to a lot more than, than just centerless grinders. Uh, we do a lot of automation and automation devices for other types of machines, but uh, we're a, really a one-stop shop for Cincinnati centerless grinders, parts, service, uh, training, and all types of new technology that we now do uh, with CNC machines, uh, 8-axis, 11-axis, uh, centerless grinders that um, can do all types of different features on parts and uh, use different types of automation. Most of the both machines that we, we do have some standard machines, standard type loader machines that we build, but a lot of them are customized for the job or for the customer as to what their, their current needs are. Okay. Interesting. What, 
What portion of your business today is the, you know, what you've done for a while, the centerless grinders versus the automation? Well, you know, still 90% of the business is centerless grinders, just centerless grinders. We do some automation that's, you know, on other types of machines, but a lot of the automation is on centerless grinders. So back, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, we would be selling mostly manual machines, maybe two or three CNC machines out of the 20 that you sold a year. And now it's, we sell about 25 remanufactured machines a year and 20 of them are full CNC machines. So, you know, the, the millennials and, and the technology has changed to, to make uh, the serverless grinder a, a totally different machine than what it was back even 20 years ago. Okay. So is a CNC control for a centerless grinder that important if somebody really knows what they're doing? Is it a CNC control or is it more like a PLC control? No, it, well, it's full CNC if you're, if you're going to dress, let's say, a form in the wheel. So if you're going to profile a part with radiuses and angles and different diameters, then you can profile the grinding wheel and the regulating wheel to the shape of the part. Um, and we're talking in, you know, tenths or millionths of an inch um, because you're dressing that profile in and then you're plunge grinding a part um, instead of doing, you know, two or three or four passes on a part to get all the dimensions in, you're doing it in one. And, and that's what a lot of people are going to. They might have a cold-headed part that might be a fastener or an airplane fastener. They're very popular with that. Uh, they have a precision tolerance. Uh, automotive parts, medical parts. Um, so, you know, you're, you're basically creating a close tolerance part uh, quickly. You know, in fact, one of the recent customers of the show mentioned, you know, don't tell anybody the secret. It's done a lot faster than the CNC Swift. And so it's one of those things that gives you the technology to process the part differently, I guess would be the word. Interesting. Okay, I'm a little confused. Um, I mean, so my understanding is a lot of the a lot of what the centerless grinders does is they prepare the the bars for a CNC Swiss, correct? Well, a centerless grinder can be used in centerless grinding the raw material to be within a couple of tenths for the collets of a CNC Swiss. It can be uh, taking a CNC Swiss part that now got made and maybe heat treated, um, and now it has to be ground to a closer tolerance than what the Swiss can handle, or maybe the heat treat bends the part, so now it has to be uh, straightened by the ceramic grinding operation. Ah. And, it, and it's a lot faster than putting it in like a between-center grinder where you're plunging each individual diameter at a time. You know, we can do uh, multiple diameters. We had one recently that was five diameters, and, um, you know, it could be done on the cylindrical, but it would take each diameter separately ground, you know, for 15 or 20 seconds where we ground the whole part in 15 seconds. So it makes it a more of a production machine. You know, it's, if you do a, a onesie, twosie stuff for two of them, yeah, you know, cylindrical works pretty well. But if you're doing the actual production on, on uh, hundreds of parts or something like that, um, 
there's nothing faster. Okay. Um, so I uh, just I just want a real quick 101. What would be the difference between centerless grinding and cylindrical grinding? Well, cylindrical grinding, the parts placed between centers, and each diameter is then ground individually. If there's multiple diameters or maybe it's a long shaft and you're limited to the um, length of the shaft, a lot of times a small part, if it's a small diameter part, it can't be held very well or it flexes too much and the tolerance can't be held. You know, if the diameters have to relate to a center, then it pretty much has to be cylindrical ground. But if you're just diameters need to match to each other, be concentric to each other, then they can be ground on a sterling grinder. Um, and that's if they form grind. You know, if you're just straight grinding something, you know, a shaft, is, you know, can be a 24 foot bar of steel. Um, it can be, a small pin of some type, and that's just through feed grinding. So you have, you know, in feed grinding where you have multiple diameters, then you have through feed grinding where the part passes through the machine and exits out the backside and becomes one diameter all the way through. Do you find that um, the precision machining shops, you know, the people running screw machines, etc., do you do you think that they know about much about the processes of centerless grinding, or do you think they just they just know? Okay, I go to this centerless grinding house and and buy the bars, and they know what's going on, and I don't really know. Yeah, I would say the majority of the screw machine shops don't know centerless grinding. They they may not have a lot of use for it on some you know jobs that they do. The types of jobs that they do may not require it. Uh, they may buy the material already similar ground. And so they, they're, you know, I, I feel a lot of people that I talk to uh, through the PMPA or other um, organizations are just customers. They're, they're very sometimes afraid of it uh, because it's like this unknown black art thing, which <laughs> it really isn't. But um, they have that, that realm of thinking about it as something that they're just not familiar with. So anything you're not familiar with, you're you're kind of scared of it, you know, and and um, that's why we do a lot of training. I personally go out and do a lot of training and teach people how to grind and have the understanding of what's supposed to happen and how it's supposed to happen and, and what do you do when you have a problem and, and those types of things. Do many shops have like screw machine shops have their own centerless grinders in shop in the the shop or do generally people just really want to outsource that to a specialist? You know, um, a lot of shops do. I'd like to probably do a survey at some point. But, um, you know, screw machine shops that do automotive work, do a lot of more volume type work, they usually have a centerless grinder um, on the floor. There's a lot of uh, Swiss shops that, that are out there that don't. Um, they buy the material, reground. Um, they maybe need, don't need to grind it afterwards or they got two or three jobs you know, that they that they do that maybe need some less grinding and they just farm that out, which makes sense for them because it's just another machine that may sit there and not be used for six months of the year or something like that. And it takes up floor space. So, and then you got to have somebody that knows how to run it. So it kind of just depends on the volume. You know, once you, you have to be productive in your capabilities to grind to make it worthwhile. If you're just going to, 
put a machine in and you don't know what you're doing and you're going to grind half the speed of what a grind shop would normally grind at, it's not going to be productive for you. And you're saying, why, why do I have this thing here? It's just cheaper to farm it out. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to know how to grind and, and be productive in grinding just like a grind shop. Grind shop operates, they make money, right? So if they're making money on the grinding, it should be equal to anybody having it on their floor and be able to, you know, instead of paying the money out, bring it in. And Is it a machine that takes a lot of education and skill to run? I mean, how? No, 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 it, it doesn't really. It's just having the understanding of, of the process and how it's supposed to work. And I usually, when we do a startup on a machine or a new customer has never had a machine before, we usually do a three-day training session. Uh, where we teach the basics of serverless grinding and the understanding of generating roundness and tolerance and micro finish. And, and, you know, the person needs to be able to understand those things and have some background knowledge of that. But uh, realistically, they get to learn the machine in the first day and then they go do some setups the second and third day. And usually, you know, give it a month or two, they get pretty fluent and comfortable with it. Um, so, it's it is a three day process, and then they get their feet wet. And occasionally, I've gone back for maybe more training, or maybe someone else wanted to learn. But normally, people do pretty well with just that that amount. What materials are centerless ground? Is it all all types of metals, or or some not necessary? What's what's typical? I I really don't know much about it. Um, well, raw materials are, are ground initially. You know if if the person needs a close tolerance and it can be any types of raw materials from, from the steels to the stainlesses, to the titaniums, to ink canals, to heat treated, um, you know, parts can be ground. We do a lot of plastics. Oh, plastics. We have customers take square plastic and make it round. Um, we have people that grind glass for the chemical industry. We have people that grind, uh, carbon fiber, uh, ceramics, uh, carbide, um, so, uh, diamond recently, uh, we're grinding some diamond tools. So everything can be, can be ground. Anything needs to be round and precision can be ground. Do you see, uh, this as a growth industry still, the, um, centerless grinding or are, are there other yeah. ways people are doing things where, where they don't need it as much? Um, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, people doing some hard turning to maybe get rid of uh, the grinding portion of it. Um, grinding's still a fast operation. Um, we've, with the advent of CNC, have seen the market grow. Uh, we personally have been busy, you know, since the 2008 timeframe. We've, we've tripled our our sales and, and have been growing every year. Wow. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is, is, um, there's not a lot of people that do what we do in the country. Um, you know, we feel we are the best quality and the best, uh, reputation in the industry. How many competitors do you have? Um, uh, there's just a handful and it just kind of depends if you want to call them competitors and some are smaller companies and that don't do very much. Some do a lot of other types of grinders. Uh, so there's probably 10, maybe total in, in the country. Um, but it's also, the quality of it's a rebuild process, right? It's not a new machine or a new thing that you're buying. So 
you can't compare a rebuild. You have to compare with what the quality of that rebuilder is and how they process the, the stuff. Okay. Um, so how they, how, what type of work that they do, because it's not all apples to apples. There's apples, oranges, and lemons out there. So you, you have to understand what, what the rebuilders basically standards are mm-hmm. and, and then go from there. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Well, I was I was looking at your website and there was something on there that said uh that a rebuilt grinder is actually uh, better than a new factory um, built grinder, brand new. Uh, I was wondering if you could explain that a bit. Well, um, the Cincinnati's are built, you know, from the latest ones that we use are like out of the eighties. So they're at least, you know, 40 years old at that point. Cincinnati doesn't make grinders anymore. Now, Cincinnati got bought out in the 90s uh, by Landis. Landis is still making some grinders. Last year, I understand Landis made eight grinders. Wow. Okay, serverless grinders. So um, we we made 25 last year. So the the volume of what they're making is very much down from what they have in the past. But the reality is, you know, a lot of the grinders are made overseas with inferior type quality castings and things like that. So we had a, a number of people that bought foreign-made machines, whether they were Taiwan or India or wherever, um, and they've had issues with the casting twisting on them over the years and things like that. So a lot of the old Cincinnati's were, were built in the 40s that we're using, you know, in the 50s. So um, the castings are stabilized or normalized. We rescrape, we refit, we realign everything. We have weight grinders where we grind everything. Um, and then scrape and fit. So there's a lot uh, to a strong base and a strong stable base that you start with. And then you have that capability to to add new technology to that old base. Is it kind of like with with screw machines where you see like the multi-spindle castings from, you know, the even up to maybe the 70s or 80s, but now if you buy a multi-spindle, it's going to be all like sheet metal. Is it kind of that's the same equivalent that they just had a different standard for how how strong the machines were? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, some of the old ones, obviously, you know, they they needed upgrade, you know, different things to make them stronger, which is what we do to make them stronger. Um, but like some of the new stuff is just it, it's like a throwaway machine. I call it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like buying a cheap cheap something whether it's a lathe or a mill or a grinder or whatever it may be. And it may last you for a few years, but when you're done, you're pretty much tossing the thing out because stuff's just worn out and the metal isn't that great. And it may wear out quicker than what, you know, the, uh, the old stuff would. So it's like, so it's like a refrigerator, basically. They're just made to yeah. crap out. They run forever. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, one of the things is like the technology we use in our CNC, that's not it doesn't go obsolete. It's actually we're using a DNR control system that doesn't 
it's backward and forward compatible. So basically it's not like an Alan Bradley or, or, you know, Fanuc even, or Siemens, a lot of them, they had a couple of years, they got obsoleted and then you now you can't get no support or right. if it's windows based, you can't get any support. A lot of our competitors use windows based stuff. And we used to do that, but we realized it wasn't effective because now windows, you know, 2000 isn't supported. Windows 2007 isn't supported. So yours is, yours is dynamic. You can just keep updating it. What, what exactly is it? It's uh, called BNR. It's uh, owned by ABB and they, ah. it's a, basically a, a servo system and, and all the motors and drives all are inter, intertuned and interlinked. They all tune themselves. Um, everything resides on a flash card. We can pull it up on, on my phone. I can pull up um, a machine that's running at a customer's plant and watch it run if I wanted to. Um, so there's a lot of features um, that are um, going to. It's even uh, 4.0 ready. So the new technology that everybody's looking for coming up in the near future for machine tending and different things like that. So, you know, it, it's very, very useful and very uh, reliable. We've been putting it on now for going on 10 years and uh, have very few issues um, in service and things like that. So wow. we're happy with it. Is this, you know, the latest technology that you're the most excited about? Is there any other, like, big innovation that you're doing or you're seeing in the industry? Well, I think the CNC, the advent of CNC and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And, you know, that's that's kind of sometimes the biggest issue is you're going to have different drives. And, you know, like you can get people that say, well, I'm going to have a computer that's going to run the machine and then, I'm going to have a Yaskawa drive to run this and a Yaskawa motor, but then it's got like a little motion control that has to talk to it. So you have all this stuff that has to work together and communicate and, and things where VNR is just one system and it, and it both tunes and drives itself. So that's so, VNR as in victory or BNR as in boy? Boy and Robert, VNR. Okay. Um, obviously, you can see a lot of that stuff on YouTube. We have a lot of videos of our machines on YouTube and all this precision page. I mean, I, I know I've, I've talked to you about your workflow and um, you're pretty backed up, correct? As far as uh, grinders you're working on? Yeah, we're, we're currently, you know, we're, we're constantly about six months backlog of machines. Um, we build one about every two weeks. You know, we usually have 12 to 15 machines on at any given point. Um, that we have in process. So we we do have a good backlog of machines. Uh, we have 350 machines in our inventory for rebuild. What's the price range? Well, it just depends. A basic machine is, it can be a $50,000 machine, a remanufactured machine. We do sell some used machines at times, uh, that machines that we've gone through and made sure they work correctly and, and the buyer that doesn't want to spend the money on a new machine. Uh, all the way to... Depending on the process, uh, if it's a fully loaded automated machine, it could be a $300,000 plus machine. $300,000 plus. Yeah. And then now a lot of what your your company is providing is automation for other types of machines. You're an integrator, correct? Or is most of it dealing with the robot, dealing with the grinders? Well, I'd say 90% of it's still with the grinders. Um, we are a FANUC robot integrator. 
Uh, so we have put robots on, you know, brother tapping machines and uh, cylindrical grinders and uh, CNC lathes, um, other types of um, soundless grinders, even different brands. Uh, you know, one of the things about putting a robot on a, on a soundless grinder that's very complex that people don't really think about is, is the position that you're dropping the part in uh, in front of the machine changes every time you dress the wheel. Uh, so it has to move along with the work rest. We have a special arm that's bolted to the front of the machine that holds the robot that lets you move along so you don't have to change drop positions in the robot or pick positions. You don't have to redo those. Um, so those are some of the things that we build, right? And the things we build are all 3D CAD. They're all designed with engineers, mechanical engineers that have 3D CAD, and, and we have part numbers for everything. So if you needed a replacement part, we have a part number for it. And actually, we're actually the only rebuilder of Sonos grinders that has product liability insurance because of the quality that we do. So Is that must be expensive. It can be, but depending upon the level, they come in, they check and see your level of expertise and your level of how you build things and your standards, and they rate it based off of that. So we actually have a really good rate, believe it or not. Is grinding a dangerous uh, activity for a, a grinding shop or? Well, sure, it can be. You got, you know, a thousand pounds of wheels spinning around. If you're going to stick your finger in there, it can be a big problem. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you need to respect the machine for what it is. Um, that's why a lot of the, the new machines with the auto loaders, they all get uh, containment guarding on them. Um, they all get uh, a keyed fortress type lock system for um, when the wheel stops, then you can take the key and you can open the doors. We also have fire suppression, fire trace suppression for the people that grind in oil um, on the system also. So it's a fully integrated machine that, that is much safer to use today than back in, back in 20 years ago or whenever it was built. Yeah. Is there anything else you, you'd like to talk about that you feel is important to explain as far as your, uh, your business? Well, I think one of the things that, you know, people are unsure about what they, their capabilities are, what grinding's about. And, and what we do is we're here to help, you know, so we're literally talking to people that never sell us ground on a daily, probably for sure a couple times a week and trying to help them understand what it takes to actually grind parts, how to make it, how to make their life easier. Um, and sometimes it's justifiable and sometimes it's not just depending upon what you're doing. But if you don't know what the possibilities are, uh, you could be losing out on getting that job. You know, we had a couple people that wouldn't be able to do that job unless they, they could grind it in house. Mm-hmm. And so they needed to grind it in house and, they could actually make money on it because if they farmed it out, they wouldn't actually get the job. How often are you selling to new brand new users that have never had one before? Um, more often than you think. Um, I would say maybe thinking about last year, probably 30% of the time. Okay. Um, you know, we have a lot of repeat customers, you know, we really don't advertise that much or anything, but um, a lot of people just come back to us all the time. And uh, we appreciate them very much. And we help them a lot that they understand that. And um, that's why they're our customer. But we do get a lot of 
one-time, first-time people, and I'm going to call them one-time, I have customers that bought a machine from us for the first time, and they're on their fifth machine or sixth machine. Wow. You know, because they've now had the ability to get work that they couldn't get before and open some doors with, with just how those processes work. Definitely, I'd say that's probably the biggest part of learning grinding. Well, that says a lot for you. I mean, there's something very satisfying about, for instance, like with us when we're selling multi-spindles about selling a machine to somebody who's never had one before. But those are the people that are always the most, are almost always the most difficult after they buy the machine. So, I mean, it's great to get a whole new customer and you never know, they could turn out to be an amazing customer, but it's a lot. (laughs) Sometimes you just go, ah, this is somebody who's, who's had a lot of Wickmans and they know what to do and I can sell them a machine and they're, they're good. I can give you a perfect example of that. So there was a customer and we may name this, but he, he bought machines from us. We found them on, uh, uh, I don't know, he came to us somehow and, and ended up buying a machine from us and uh, ended up buying another machine, another machine. And, and I always asked, how you doing? You any training, anything? No, we're all good. We got some really good people working here. We're doing well. And uh, they called me up. Uh, the owner called me up one day and he's like, man, I can't understand. I'm, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. I got cheap labor. I got cheap help. I got cheap rent. And the guys in Chicago, they're, they're blowing the doors off my prices. I don't understand. I can't, I can't compete with them. Huh. So I said, well, obviously you're not running fast enough. Whatever you're doing, you're not, you're not able to compete with them. That just means you're not running fast enough. So I said, why don't you send me three of your jobs? See, um, you know, Let's, let me take a look at them, and I'll run through the computer. We have a computer program that will tell us how fast something should run, and it's not God, but you should be 75 80% of that. So uh, let me see it, and I'll send it back to you, and you can tell me if you're close to these numbers. Oh, that's very cool. So we sent it back to him, and he called me up 20 minutes later, and he's like, oh, my God. He goes, I'm 25% of those numbers. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm like, well, there's, there's your problem. So we end up going there and doing training and went back there a couple more times and did training and, and these guys that, you know, he hired that knew it all, right. Basically didn't grind fast enough. They, and he didn't know the, the industry. He didn't know how to grind himself. He was just a businessman. So, yeah. um, you know, these guys are telling him this is what it should be. This is what it should be. And this, and and it was 25% of what it should be. So that is often a problem when the people think that they know so much. And yeah. we're like what we deal with, it's not even, they're not even efficient. It's, they're always breaking the machine. Well, I'm sure you're dealing with that as well. <laughs> well, you know, guys, the guys, you know, that have learned how to sound with grind because they always think it's such this black art thing. I've gone to places and did training with 16 people in the room and asked them some simple questions of a basic setup portion and they couldn't give me the right answer. So, yeah. it, you know, everybody's kind of learned from the last person that was there and the last person that was there and he may have not wanted to tell you everything or maybe he didn't understand anyway. So he said, don't touch that. And, you know, so we clarify all how everything works and how everything's supposed to work and here's the speed you're supposed to run at and, and here's the right wheels and here's the right coolant and here's, the right scenarios and here's an automatic loader if you want to, to load it so there's a lot of things that we can do to to help improve production 
and, and that's really what it's about. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Romus. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And um, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Pleasure to be on the show and uh, hope things are go well for you guys there. And anybody needs to talk, they can always email me and check out the website and we can get together.